Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. I am Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining us. Business leaders are navigating uncharted waters today, especially in today's business climate, and making decisions that can have a lasting impact on their business. So how can you protect yourself and your team from making those dangerous judgment errors known as cognitive bias to develop smartest, most strategic, and most profitable decision-making strategies today for tomorrow? Well, today at the cafe, I'm excited to have Dr. Gleb Dapersky, disaster avoidance expert, to discuss strategies to mitigate the potential biases in your decision-making. Gleb, welcome. Thank you so much, Angela. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I, I'm really excited to have you on. I know we, uh, we talked about this oh, about a month or so ago, and, and we had to postpone a little bit, but um, I'm happy to we finally were able to do this. It was never going to be in the studio, so this was always going to be the way it is. And, and where are Fair you, enough. by the way? Where are you? I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Go Bucks! All right, there you go. There you go. Hopefully, they'll play again someday. Hopefully, yeah. We're all we're all wishing for that. Uh, I was telling somebody today, uh, my uh, my sporting activities. Uh, I got a Peloton. I gave in, and and so I've been spinning like crazy, and uh, eating like crazy too. So those are the kind of the good and the bad. But my wife and I have been playing all these old-fashioned board games like Sorry and Trouble oh, yeah. and Jenga, you know, keeping ourselves busy. So, yeah. um, first of all, you and your family are well, I hope. My immediate family is well, my wife and I. Unfortunately, my dad is not. He's in New York. He's 79, and he oh. looks like he may well have COVID-19. He's feeling not, not so great, uh, like very strong flu symptoms, and he was tested yesterday actually so we should get the results in a couple of days so i'm, I'm pretty concerned about him actually so that yeah. that's that's definitely an anvil on my chest yeah i'm sorry to hear that and i know uh, like i would be my inclination to be to hop on a plane and head out there yeah, and and i too. know that unfortunately it's not possible it's not possible my uh, my oldest boy actually just hopped on a plane and and flew to uh portland outside of portland he's he's mm. living on a lavender farm right now it's beautiful oh. wherever where he is, but uh, he managed to be, I think, be one of 10 people on an airplane uh, <laughs> flying up to Portland a week ago yesterday, actually. Okay. So so let's get on to the business at hand, because this topic is probably more timely today than it was a month or so ago when we were going to get on on the conversation. So, unfortunately. Yeah, very unfortunately. So before we start, let's tell the audience about you and your book and your business. Sure. So my expertise is in helping leaders avoid disasters and professionals avoid disasters. Unfortunately, I'm very busy nowadays. And it's about risk management, decision making, strategic planning in such a way as to minimize disasters, maximize success. That's my expertise. I run a company called Disaster Avoidance Experts. It's a six people company does training, consulting, and coaching in these topics. Now, for my own background, I've been doing training, consulting, and coaching for over 20 years in all of these topics. And at the same time, I've also been in academia. So I got here to Columbus because I was teaching at Ohio State as a professor for seven years. Oh, okay. I spent 15 years in academia 
doing cognitive neuroscience and behavioral economics, studying how we make decisions badly, why we screw up so much, and how we can make better decisions to avoid disasters. So that's my expertise, and it's all come together in a recent book on this topic. Never go with your gut how pioneering leaders make the best decisions and avoid business disasters. And like you said, it's more timely today than ever. Published by a great traditional publisher called Career Press, so it's available in physical bookstores if they're still open where you are, <laughs> and of course available online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, it's available in audiobook form and Audible, so any right. place you want to get it. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I mean... Uh, I, I know there's a few bookstores around somewhere. Um, I'm not sure where they are. So uh, obviously, uh, I, I would head to online as I've been buying more and more things. I even bought groceries for the first time online. Yeah. Uh, took a week for them to get here. I would have starved to death if uh, I was waiting <laughs> on them. But uh, we'll go from there. So let's before we kind of get into the book and get into some very specifics, I ask my guests a couple questions. Mm -hmm. So when you think about your business, and, and again, you, you mentioned it, it's booming. But when you think about growing your business, what keeps you up at night? Oh, gosh. What I'm, I get really worried about when uh, thinking about business is that so little, so few business leaders think about disasters. And they think really about growth, about cash, about profit. And that's great. But it's really the what makes a difference between successful businesses and those that aren't successful are the ones that don't fail during times of trouble, during times of crisis. And I think too few people think about that and too few people realize that during ordinary times. Right now, there's much more tension to this. But that's what usually keeps me up at night. I don't know yet about what, what will keep me up at night in the next you know, several years while we're dealing with COVID-19. Sure. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because... Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a fractional chief marketing officer, so I, I work with mm -hmm. a lot of small to immediate middle market companies. And and so many times we're all focused on, you know, the revenue we're generating today and not really thinking about the impact of tomorrow. And I'm a huge believer in pre I preach a lot about competitive strategies mm -hmm. um, and looking at whether offensive or defensive and things like that, because we always have to look into the future not just necessarily look to, to tomorrow, literally tomorrow, but you know what that future does bring. So the other question I like to ask is, what is the best business advice you've ever received? The best business advice I've received was to focus on the incentives of the person in front of me, not focus on my own incentives. So focus on what I can assess about what that person wants and how what I can offer can align with what that person wants. Now, that might seem simplistic, but it's incredibly difficult to do in the moment to think about the other person's interests. And mm -hmm. it's a difficult thing to do. It's a hard thing to do because you're always tempted to think about yourself, what you want to achieve, what you want to get. But if you really serve that other person's interests and really think about their incentives, their values, it's going to be very much more powerful. That applies whether I'm dealing with another business leader from outside my company or from inside my company. One of the things I work on a lot with business leaders is when they don't realize the kind of incentives they're providing for their staff. When what the staff get rewarded for, the employees get rewarded for, is not actually what their job is. Sure, sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. A conflict, exactly, a conflict of interest between what employees get rewarded for and what best serves the company. So that's a, always, a, always a big problem that I look a lot on and right. think well, a lot. Well, a lot on. of that, 
a lot of that is listening skills, as I interrupted, but a lot of those are listening skills, right? And, and really understanding. I mean, there's so many times and people are having conversations, and this is one of the things that just drives me crazy, that I, I can tell based on the response or the, the answer to what I think is going to be more exploratory or continuation of what I might be saying, it just flips it and becomes about something they were thinking about. Mm. They wanted to respond and say, and sometimes I'm wondering if they actually heard what I said, <laughs> right? Yep. Okay. Yep. So um, your book, which we're going to get into a little deeper, uh, combines practical business case studies with cutting edge cognitive neuroscience and behavioral economics to show how to overcome the dangers of judgment errors. But before we start, for those listeners that don't know what cognitive bias is, why don't we start there? Why don't you give an explanation of that? The cognitive biases are the dangerous judgment errors we make because of how our brain is wired. Now, what the recent research on this topic shows is that our brain is not wired for the modern world. Our gut reactions, our feelings, our intuitions, and that's what we're talking about when we're talking about cognitive biases, cause us to make a systematic pattern of errors, very many errors. There are over 100 cognitive biases discovered. We could talk about many examples of them that cause us to really make bad judgment errors. Now, our brain, our heart, our gut, whatever you talk about, is wired for the savanna environment. When we were hunters and gatherers living in small tribes of 15 people to 150 people. So for example, our threat response, our main threat response is the fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. In the savanna environment, we had to jump at 100 shadows to get away from that one saber-toothed tiger. You might have heard of it as a saber-toothed tiger response. So right now, we are reacting to external threats in the business environment, in the professional environment, in our personal lives, as though they're saber-toothed tigers. Think about COVID-19. What are people doing? A bunch of people are doing the fight response, which is going out and doing shopping, shop till they drop, you know, getting as much stuff as okay. possible, including stuff that they're really not going to need. That's one response. And the other response is the flight response, ignoring the information, saying, you know, this is just a common cold. It's not a big deal. I'll go out and party. And that's another type of response. And we saw Neither that in Florida. Yep, exactly. We saw it. We see it everywhere. Called called the covidiots, right? <laughs> and these are the two types of responses, depending on your personality. Neither of these is the right response. Mm -hmm. We are not wired to deal with a slow-moving train wreck like the COVID nineteen pandemic because of cognitive biases such as the normalcy bias. Now that causes us to assume that the future will be like today, that it will be normal. And we tend to not evaluate the, and understand that right now, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we are not in, you know, we're not, we're not uh, where we were in January 2020. We are in a completely new situation, a new, new normal. And it's very hard for us to accept that we're in a new normal that will be around for at least the next couple of years, if not the next decade. So right. it's a very tough situation for us to realize. So that's kind of the normalcy bias really leads us in the wrong direction. Another one that's relevant here is called hyperbolic discounting, where we greatly discount the long-term impact of our decisions. We really focus way too much on the short-term, again, because of this fight-or-flight response to threats. And we don't think about the long-term implications. Well, if we're functioning in a new normal, we can't be going on emergency mode as so many businesses are doing right now. We need to really shift our plans for the long-term, shift our business models, shift our internal organization, to make the right decisions, and some few people are actually doing that. Right. So, um, so you already jumped in a few of the things I was going to talk about, but that's okay. So, 
you're 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 consulting with companies. So let me let me. I want to get to some of the case studies and, and the relevance of some of the biases and the case mm-hmm. studies that you use. However, let's go let's go live on this. You're actively consulting with businesses. <clears throat> yes. Give me give me a, you know no names, but give me a couple examples of of what's happening today in your world with people trying to deal with what's going on with with COVID and how they're running their businesses and you know kind of the reactions that they're doing. <clears throat> Excuse me, a yeah. lot of people are thinking about laying laying or they have laid off people or furloughed people. You know, they're pulling back, they're pulling back and trimming mm-hmm. salaries. So what are some real world experiences that you've got going on right now? One is a law firm I'm consulting with that's trying to figure out how it will shift its external service model to uh, servicing clients. And this is actually a big question because, you know, you can imagine doing a lot of documents online, DocuSign, whatever, advice Mm -hmm. online. That's easy. But the real difficult challenge is, and this is something they didn't really realize until I pointed it out to them, that they will have to focus on cultivating trust. You know, I I worked with them earlier to figure out what clients want in terms of trust. And it turns out that a very important thing for clients when they're talking about trust is face-to-face interactions. Clients care a lot about face-to-face interactions and building up that relationship with the lawyer who is providing them with that service. That is not going to happen anymore. (laughs) Those face-to-face interactions Mm -hmm. won't happen anymore for a long time. Again, COVID-19, we know that it will not be eradicated until we have a vaccine, won't have a vaccine for the next 12 to 18 months. Then it'll take another 12 to 18 months to produce and ship and vaccinate people. So that will be, and that's optimistically speaking, when we have the perfect vaccine, 100% effective, created in the first round of vaccine trials, which is not very likely. So this legal company, it won't be able to, it won't be able to last for a couple of months and say, you know, just a couple of months, we'll be back to -to face-to-face contact. So right now, what we're working on is figuring out how do you cultivate trust in an online environment, in a virtual setting? How do you make sure that you are responding to clients' needs? So one of the things you actually brought up, how do you make sure to listen empathetically to clients in an online setting, in a virtual setting? Because the kind of signals that people are putting out are very different when you can't see their expressions, when you can't see their faces effectively, and when they're not responding to that body language. This is really difficult. And for lawyers who are used to in-person contact, that in-person handshake relationship, touching a person's shoulder, they're used to it. This is what being a trusted advisor means. And if they can't be trusted in that sense, what can they do? So that's what we're working on right now. How do you shift? And this, of course, applies to all sorts of uh, professional service providers, all sorts of professional service providers. But specifically, I'm working with a lawyer company right now. Right. Well, one of the things you you mentioned, um, I don't know if it was in your book or you, I don't think you just mentioned it, but in your book, you talked about um, groupthink bias, yes. right? So we've got me as a leader, or not me because I make great decisions, but me as a leader, <laughs> um, you know, making decisions versus how am I influencing the group at hand to make their yes. decisions? And so, can you dig into that a little bit? That a little bit because I see that all the time. I also mm-hmm. see a lot of times people. I can tell that they have their own opinion, but they just won't give it because they don't want to be opposite of what the leader is saying. So I think that's is really important, especially now because we're not face to face. Yes, that, that's a difficult problem. I'll give you an example that combines actually not simply group things. So group think refers to that our tendency to affiliate to off 
focus our opinions or give our opinions or to the person with the most authority in the room. So we focus on that person and we align our opinions with that person. Now, it's very natural from the Savannah environment for us to listen to the alpha monkey in the room and for yeah. the alpha monkey in the room to dominate. So unless the alpha monkey knows that this is a tendency and works specifically to combat and avoid this tendency, that's what will happen. Groupthink will naturally happen, especially with those more domineering leaders. So I was doing a project for a actually a health a chain of hospitals in the Midwest, North Midwest, and what they were focusing on was doing a SWOT analysis. Now, the SWOT analysis for folks who know about this looks at the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats facing any organization. And what often happens with a SWOT analysis is that people, because of a series of cognitive biases having to do with optimism and overconfidence, they list way too many strengths, way too many opportunities, not nearly enough weaknesses, not nearly enough threats. Yep, so this I've is a big that. problem. Yep. So there you go. So this, so working with this SWOT analysis, what I saw was indeed that situation where they were listing way too many strengths, way too many opportunities, not nearly enough weaknesses, and not nearly enough threats. And I knew that the people in the room knew about some of the weaknesses and threats that they weren't listing. So when I talked to them later, when I saw the, I saw the results of the SWOT analysis itself, I wasn't there in the room. So when I saw the results of the SWOT analysis, I talked to them and they said, well, you know, we didn't want to tell our CEO, we didn't want to tell her that she was really being way too optimistic because she doesn't really respond well to other people telling her that. Sure. So that's one of the areas that I had to come up later and talk to her about, about saying, hey, here are some weaknesses and threats that you might not have thought about, one, and B, from what I learned anonymously, I won't tell you, I don't tell her, who I learned it from, you tend to dominate conversations too much. And she was very reluctant to hear that. But uh, I gave the example of the, this was in 2015, and they didn't list any threat to Obamacare as a political issue. And of course, this was a major issue of threat. The mm -hmm. hospital relied on a lot on the hospital chains relied a lot on Obamacare. And then we had to talk about that. I had to point out to the CEO that really there is a serious possibility that a Republican will be elected to Congress, uh, will be elected to Congress, and they'll be elected to the presidency, and then Obamacare will be under serious threat. She refused to listen for a while, but eventually she gave in. And this was one of the scenarios that we put in to the revised strategic plan. Eventually, they were, that of course helped them out a lot. And, you know, talking sure. to them later, that helped them out a lot when Obamacare was indeed under threat. So well, this is I an think example. Yeah, and I, I think I, I think it's hard. A lot of times, I I, I worked with a leader in a uh, financial institution, and and her her people were just afraid. They were afraid mm. to say anything that she would not ag agree to, and and so it was very difficult um, helping to steer that that ship, if you will, to get her to listen and get yeah. other people to be uh, confident that they could say it without you know putting their jobs in jeopardy. Now. When I was a kid, my mom used to tell me to take a breath, right, before I responded. I, I'm a, I'm a full-blooded Italian, and I've calmed down as I've gotten older. But when I was a kid, you know, I, I could be a little explosive. So she used to say count to five, but my mom usually would say to me count to ten because five wasn't <laughs> enough. So this is a simple approach, right? Take, take a breath. 
take a breath. Don't be impulsive in decision-making. And I know this is something you've talked about. So let's dig into that a little bit. I mean, it's a simple tool. And that's yes. one of the things I want to talk to. What are, what are a couple kind of simple tools or guidance you can give my listeners during this mm-hmm. difficult time about really taking a breath before they make these major decisions? Of course, taking that breath is a good strategy. So one of the ways of addressing these impulses, these gut reactions, which lead us in the wrong direction, is taking a breath and thinking through, hey, is there anything that might be causing me to make a bad decision here? For that, of course, you need to learn about these cognitive biases, like the normalcy bias and so on. And there's a list of over 100 cognitive biases in Wikipedia, which you can read through and learn about and take a breath and think about, hey, it might be something affecting me here. Of course, my book, Never Go With Your Gut, talks about the 30 most dangerous ones for business situations and how you can address them effectively. So that's a very brief technique, taking a breath, thinking about these sorts of things. But a technique that allows you, takes only a couple of minutes, and allows you to address a majority of cognitive biases and minimize risks, minimize problems. This is a technique that I developed that involves asking five questions about any decision that you don't want to result in a disaster. Now, this technique won't maximize the benefits. It won't get you the most perfect decision. There's another technique that's longer that will do that. But this technique in this current situation, when you have to make a lot of rapid decisions, will really help you minimize risks. So, okay. Well, we're, we're, we're going to actually come down to the last two or three minutes. So why don't yeah. we briefly hit on those five questions? Yeah, sure. First, what important information didn't you yet fully consider? What didn't you take into account? It's very tempting for us to cherry pick information that confirms our beliefs. That's the confirmation bias. And you want to address this by looking for information that would disconfirm your beliefs. Try to show that you're wrong. If you can't, that's great. You're more likely to be right. But if you can, that's also great because it's going to help you make a better decision. Second, what dangerous judgment errors didn't I yet fully address? We talked about that. You need to learn what cognitive biases are and how you can address them. Third, what would a trusted and objective advisor tell me? So think about that little angel on your shoulder. What would they tell you to do in this situation? Step outside of yourself. That's very helpful. Fourth, how have I addressed all the ways this could fail? So think about the decision. Imagine all the ways this could fail. And how can you address all of these ways in advance? Finally, what would cause me to change my mind? How would, what would cause you to revise your decision? You want to make sure there's a decision point, a revision point, some information that would cause you to change your mind about this decision while you're still making the decision as opposed to in the heat of the moment after you made it. So it, there you go. That's five questions. You ask them about any decision. You will minimize your problems with making the decision. I, I like your number four. Um, you know, what's, what are the scenarios um, I, I've played that before with with businesses, and and we've developed you know what if scenarios mm-hmm. if this were to happen, and, and really yes. playing off the SWAT as well. I agree mm-hmm. with you. I've seen so many SWATs that almost had to go to two pages. There was so much stuff in there that that wasn't really relevant. Um, and I think those are great exercises for people to really dig in. But not only list it, but what if this should happen? What if yes. a competitor comes into mm-hmm. your space? And right now, I think it's extremely dangerous for businesses to ignore the competitive set because yes. they're also feeling desperate and looking for opportunities. And if they've got products that could sell into your marketplace without a lot of effort, um, that could really create some potential issues. So, um this has been a great conversation. It's really exciting. Uh, I, I love this, and and hopefully we can maybe get back. Now, 
You, this is your third book or your fourth book? This is my fourth book. I'm fourth actually book. just, yeah, I was just invited to write another one on how specifically to plan and adapt to the COVID-19 corona crisis. So that's what I'm focusing on right now. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited um, uh, for you. This is a great topic, and uh, hopefully they're flying off the shelf or at least uh, flying off the online Amazon shelves. <laughs> yes, that's right. So, yeah, so thank you so much. This has been great. So why don't you tell the listeners one more time uh, how they can get a hold of you, your website, your email, where they can buy the book. Sure. Never go with your gut. How pioneering leaders make the best decisions and avoid business disasters is available in bookstores if they're open. It's published by a great traditional publisher called Career Press. But of course, online, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or the digital and the physical copies. And of course, you can get an audio copy on Audible. On Audible. Now, my own resources are available on disasteravoidanceexperts.com. Again, disasteravoidanceexperts.com. There's videos, blogs, podcasts, decision aids, guides, manuals, online classes, coaching, training, all virtual. And you want to make sure to especially check out disasteravoidanceexperts.com forward slash subscribe for an eight video-based module course. It's a free course, eight video-based modules on making the wisest decisions. Again, disasteravoidanceexperts.com forward slash subscribe. And finally, about anything you've heard here, just connect with me on LinkedIn, Dr. Gleb Sapursky, G-L-E-B-T-S-I-P-U-R-S-K-Y. Gleb, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. And thank you out there and uh, my to my audience for listening in and tuning in today. And thank you for joining us. You can find out more about me, read my blogs, or view my show videos, or sign up to receive inform free information at theponzigroup.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. And if your business is ready for growth and you need a CMO, if you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, I'd love the opportunity to talk to you about using a fractional CMO. And lastly, please subscribe to this show. And if you're already a subscriber, I encourage you to tell others about it so they can benefit from this great content like we heard today and all the great resources. Thank you so much for all of that. Um, so you can really benefit. You can go to the businessgrowthcafe.com or you can subscribe to my podcast on my website as well or any major podcast platform. Join me next week for lunch at the Business Growth Fat Cafe. Thank you. Thanks, Club. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.